So, hi. Hi. We are going to go over our brackets for this week, and yes. then you actually have a food disaster. As I promised. actually, this is a food disaster heist. Ooh, sort of. Okay. All right. Well, I'll do the bad story idea. So today is Free Fall Burrito World, <laughs> which such a classic is a classic. I can't believe you like it as much as you do. But it's a world where everyone's in free fall. The seven-layer yeah. burrito is your addition to this. Yeah, that's um, what I love about it, is that you came up with this very compelling idea about a world in constant free fall, mm-hmm. and then I ruined it with seven-layer burrito. And it really would be seven-layer dip, yeah. not really burrito, but mm-hmm. versus haunted by a body, not a spirit, an actual body. Yeah. Which I still think someday maybe I'll write that story. I don't know. The idea that I, there's just a corpse everywhere you look that... It's not sapient. It can't talk to you. It's just there haunting it's just you. It's there. And yeah. I remember the you know couple yeah. paragraphs you wrote of that, and it was delightful. Mm-hmm. All right. Here we go. You ready for this? Yep. Our food heist bracket this week. You get to vote between pure illegal butter guarantee. This is when somebody stole $150,000 of pure Canadian butter in a very well-planned heist. Okay. Which we thought maybe that was for like a mafia... Wait, is that the right one? Yeah, that's the one that's marked here. Okay, okay. Pure illegal butter guarantee. Okay. Yeah, so like some organized crime ring has a movie theater uh-huh. where they, they make sure to have illegally yep. sourced butter. Yep. We don't know what that butter was used for. And then up against 700 gallons of rancid fry oil. Okay, that's the one I had glanced at the thing yeah. and seen. And so I was like, wait, mm-hmm. is, this is Michelle Pfeiffer feeds- Michelle Pfeiffer, we have assumed yes. from Dangerous Minds that she's the one stealing 700 gallons of fry oil to teach students about reducing and reusing That's right. and biofuels. Mm-hmm. So uh, yeah, those are our food heists for the bracket. All right. So go please vote for us. We actually are in a little bit of a time crunch today, which is why we're moving a little faster through yeah, this. Yeah, this, this is um, what we look like when we're focused. We're focused. We're, we're focused. We're ready. We're food disaster heist. All right. So remember when we had a food heist that was perpetrated by elephants? Yes. The snackaderms. One of my favorites. Today, we have a food heist perpetrated by a bear. Oh, okay. This was in Steamboat Springs Mm -hmm. in Colorado just a couple of weeks ago. Okay. A bear broke into a house, ate a bunch of pork chops, Mm -hmm. wandered around for a while, got himself locked into the master bedroom, and then escaped through the window. Okay. And there's video of him escaping out the window. I'm watching it right now, and Mm -hmm. it's just, it's wonderful. Was the house owned by someone named Goldilocks? I have to assume that it was. The police are not saying anything. But revenge I mean, it, of the bear. It, yes. Yeah, mm-hmm. it does say the neighbor's name, but this article is not telling me the. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, oh, he went out of the bedroom window, and decided it was too high, and then he went back in. Uh huh. The officer at that point had opened the door, and so the bear was like, "Okay," and he went downstairs, and then went mm-hmm. out the first floor window where he had initially got through in the first place. Oh no, the owner is. Ryan McFarlane. Okay, so, so maybe related. Maybe maybe yeah. yeah. To Goldilocks. Maybe yeah. married to Goldilocks. Yeah, but so can we call this the Bergler? The Bergler. <laughs> is this is this allowed or a slant rhymes just a? Oh, that's that's not a slant rhyme. I don't know what that is. No. Bergler. It's delightful, is what mm-hmm. it is. Yeah, that's even easier to pronounce than the Berlinaire. Have we talked about the Berlionaire? On this show, I don't think we've talked about the Berlionaire. Okay, I have to tell the Berlionaire story. Okay. 
okay? You have to, because it's wonderful. I'm sorry for those with sensitive ears, but <laughs> once upon a time, and I'm sorry if anyone's heard this story before, once upon a time, Amazon would show an author's ranking, mm -hmm. right? They took this down probably because like I was one of very few people who paid attention to it, yeah. but it lists who sold that week the most books by author. And I was always very interested in this because I was on that list. Yeah. I was often in the 20s inching toward the teens, right? And watching and seeing who I was near and will I break the top 10? And I never managed to break the top 10 unless it was a new week. So it was a debut week. A debut week. Debut week, so I break the top 10. This mm -hmm. was also the period of Amazon. And maybe mm -hmm. this is still true, but there would be fads. Yes. Where one or two or maybe three things would just sell like hotcakes for yep. a couple of weeks, and then the market would move on to something mm -hmm. else. Yep. And so I would watch this and be like, all right, who else is selling where I am? And these sorts of things. It's just kind of a, a fun thing to say, hey, I'm the number 12 author in the country this mm -hmm. week. That was nifty. And so one time I was looking and I ran across a book that has been forever sealed in my memory because- what was really popular were two fads at this point. Mm -hmm. There were billionaire romance. We'll yeah. call them romance yes. with quotation marks because yeah, of Fifty Shades of Grey. Often erotica. Yes. But yeah, that counts as romance. Yes, it's a subgenre of, of romance. And then yeah. that was kind of really big. The other thing that was really big was shapeshifters, mm -hmm. right? And the kind of overlap between these is I want to be swept off my feet by a sexy billionaire versus... I want to be swept off my feet by a sexy werewolf. Yes. And the name of this book, as Dan had said earlier, was Barillionaire. 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 The perfect and Venn diagram overlap of the two biggest fads in fiction at the time. Read the pitch of it at the top. It's like, she is a sexy accountant. He is the owner of Bearfield Park. And also a werebear. <laughs> Does she know that she is destined to be his mate forever? And how yeah. can he tell her that secretly he turns into a bear? And it is just, it reads like a it's, parody. Yes. And um, I want to be clear. Yes. We are not making fun of this book. No. This, this is book is genius. brilliant and amazing. Yeah. Being able to so perfectly identify that niche of the market and get a book out right when the iron is hot. Mm -hmm. It's just, it's phenomenal. Ooh, I actually found it. I can read you the oh, actual sweet. the actual promo because it is, oh, the picture, Dan. The picture is <laughs> bare-chested hotty pants guy and a cute little bear in the corner. <laughs> it is it is just Bear Stone Park. I got the bear. Bear Stone yes. Park. <laughs> He's a billionaire and a bear, and he'd never let anything happen to his mate. When billionaire tech mogul writer Hart returns to Bearstone Park to settle his family estate, he isn't expecting to meet a beautiful, full-figured accountant that stops him in his tracks and makes him think he's found his mate for the first time in his life. Now, how can he explain to her that he can turn into a bear without scaring her off? I love that. I it is it is it brings I look forward to writing something that good one day. <laughs> it brings joy to my heart that Barillionaire exists. Yeah. So, mm -hmm. so there you go. So there's yeah. our story for the Bergler. The Bergler. The Bergler. Yeah, that's the the sequel to Barillionaire, the Bergler, mm -hmm. who's reduced to stealing pork chops to survive. 
<laughs> well, what are we actually going to talk about today, Dan? We are going to talk today about a movie that I have actually seen. And I have actually seen. Which is Tetris. Tetris, the movie. Yeah. It's funny because you mentioned Tetris. To most people, they're like, they're making a movie out of Tetris. Because, you know, emoji movie and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. The first time I heard Tetris... My mind went to the making of Tetris because it is such a famous story in the video game world. Yeah. And I've read multiple articles Mm -hmm. and things like this and interviews with the people involved. And it is such a fascinating story that I immediately went, oh, yeah. why did I not think of that? That's a genius. You should be totally making a movie Mm -hmm. about Tetris. Yeah. Fantastic little bit of historical fiction, mostly true. Yes. The thing is, you know, if you... Remember, the original Tetris used Russian music. That's because it was designed by a Russian programmer mm-hmm. at the height of the USSR Cold War. And the fact that that somehow became the biggest video game in the world yeah. is actually a really compelling story that we've kind of been sitting on for years. And someone turned it into a movie that I thought was great. The movie is fantastic. Take some liberties. Take some liberties. We'll talk about that in the spoiler section. But mm-hmm. also, it's just really fun, yeah. right? Like, they filmed it in a fun way. They made it really interesting. I like they use some 8-bit visuals occasionally mm-hmm. and things in it just to just to give a little bit more of a, I don't know, a little surreal feel to it at places that yeah. helps with you understanding, look, this is mostly a true story, but, you know, this part maybe not. And mm-hmm. just really like the film. Highly recommend it. Yeah. So kind of the the basic premise of the story, mm-hmm. uh, American dude married to a Japanese woman living in Tokyo, working in the nascent gaming industry. He had programmed his own version of Go and things like that. Yep. This is after the Atari crash when Nintendo has kind of resuscitated the market. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so there's home gaming and there's you know, console gaming, PC gaming, and various things. And it's very key to the story right at the start of handheld gaming. Yep. While he is in the process of trying to negotiate the rights to get this Soviet game mm-hmm. is when he is able to learn that Nintendo's working on the Game Boy, which right. would revolutionize the gaming industry. And you say the height of Russia. It's like right post the height. It's about to collapse. No, that's true. The collapse Failing is coming. Russia, Failing which I think Russia. is also key to the story yeah, because- it's- 70s Russia would not have allowed this to happen. Yep. 80s Russia absolutely was ready for a change. Yep. And lots of people wanting fingers in this pot. And the interesting aspect, it reads, like if you read the actual accounts, it reads a bit like a spy thriller or a spy movie, but one of kind of the slower paced sort of spy movie. Like Mm -hmm. not as many thriller aspects, but a lot of just like espionage and double dealing and people struggling to you know to figure this out and Russia realizing they have a massive hit on their hands and what do they do in a non-capitalist society and all of that stuff is all fascinating. Yeah. The movie like we said it takes some liberties. There's probably well, not an actual KGB no, car chase in see, the real story, Now right? you're in spoilers. We were going to talk about that in oh, spoilers. Okay. We can't talk okay. about that till spoilers. Ah, yeah, you forget I said that. I forget you said that. All right, spoilers. 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 So there was no KGB car chase. No. So as I understand, the entire evil KGB guy Mm -hmm. is made up. He's the only character that is 100% fabricated. Yeah. Now, 
But for example, mm-hmm. the translator who yes. turned out to be a KGB informant, she was a real person. She was a real person and she was KGB. Yeah. As I recall, he knew that all of these translators probably had ties to the government and mm-hmm. he picked one anyway. So it wasn't like he gets shocked that yeah. there's a KGB agent, but he legit had a KGB agent as a translator. He legit went to the place to try to meet the people where she said, you cannot go in there. And he just did anyway. Yeah, The stupidest thing <laughs> in the world, just walk in in communist Russia to a place that you've been told by someone who is essentially a government official that you should not go into. Yeah. Walked right in. Well, and with the wrong visa, he was on a a traveling visa, not a business visa. Yep. And somehow- Committing so many crimes. Did not end up in a gulag, and that's amusing. So as I recall, I went and read about, I'm like, I don't remember the car chase. I don't remember this guy. And I went and read, and that guy was fabricated. And they said, yeah, Mm -hmm. it was tense getting out of the country, but it wasn't a car chase. Yeah. I will say that car chase was one of the most delightful sequences of the movie. Right. As a culmination of the story, mm-hmm. I mean, really everything that's important to happen has already happened, right? Yep. And so they just throw in the thrilling car chase, which they intermixed with all of the 8-bit graphics and the video game noises. Yep. And usually I find action scenes in general to be really dull. Mm-hmm. But what I love is when they show me something I've never seen before. And this absolutely yeah. did. I was watching. I'm like, I don't think this part really happened. But we're in fantasy land now. Mm-hmm. It actually helped my suspension of disbelief by making it more fantastical yeah. for that little sequence. To have the little computer graphics yep. come into it and everything. And I really love the whole player one, player two, player three, player one wins thing that they did the setup. Yeah. It was a nice little addition. It worked really well for me. So Yeah. I was... Really delighted to find, because I didn't know the story super well. I Mm -hmm. knew a lot of the mess of getting it out. Mm -hmm. What I didn't realize until afterwards was the friendship it depicts between the American dude and the Russian programmer. Mm -hmm. They're actually still best friends today. Yeah. And they, they had, work they together. They a company together. And, and you know, they have the rights to Tetris right now. Yeah. It's their company, the Tetris company. you know, Mm -hmm. please, Tetris guys, put out a real version of Tetris that isn't a stupid freemium mobile game <laughs> stupid freemium That's, mobile games are the thing i know i yeah it uh, would be nice whatever. but yeah i was really glad to find that that was a real part of the story mm-hmm. i also was uh, <laughs> delighted to find after the fact i was concerned mm-hmm. a little bit at how deeply they were villainizing robert maxwell Mm-hmm. who was the guy who, you know, the competing dude trying to buy the rights away from our hero. Oh, you didn't and know then about I him. I read up on Robert Maxwell and I'm like, oh, if anything, they went soft on him. Yes, they uh, went a little he soft. He was a monster in real life. Absolute monster. Like they don't even get into the depth of the amount of embezzlement he was involved in mm-hmm. from his own employees yeah, and things like that. And his son was acquitted on those charges. And the courts determined he didn't know about any of it. And they played that straight. They Mm -hmm. wove in how the son would not be involved and not know about any of this, which, you know, I appreciate them sticking to the historical record when it came to actual personalities of people. Yeah. Robert Maxwell's daughter, who did not appear in the movie at all, Mm -hmm. is Jelaine Maxwell, who's been imprisoned for... Child sex trafficking. So yes. yeah, it is not a great family. Nope. And they make great villains for the story. Yes. Yes, indeed. Yeah. So what else can we talk about about this? I enjoyed kind of seeing the look at Russia as it was falling. 
I don't know how accurate that was, but it mm -hmm. really felt like this is an interesting, really interesting point in history and a culture that, you know, we only knew surface level things about when we were growing up during that time. I can remember when these events happened, right? Mm -hmm. I can remember when the Iron Curtain fell and when the wall went down and when, you know, all of that stuff, yeah. I was a teenager and seeing just kind of a glimpse of it, hopefully a little more accurate than the KGB guy thing, but. Well, and, and what knowledge I have of the twilight of the Soviet Union mm -hmm. does fit with this, whether the specific details were accurate or not. The idea that people in power were losing the grip of their power. Mm -hmm. Other people were trying to. Yeah. Join the rest of the world instead of stay in their silo forever. Well, and I know that the company that sold Tetris, the government thing, mm -hmm. became a company in Russia and made a ton of money off of Tetris after the fall, became a private yeah. corporation. Mm -hmm. And the guys in charge of that made bank. Yeah. So, well, and I actually wonder how much a younger audience would like this Tetris movie because mm. you and I are like the perfect audience for yeah. it. We grew up with Tetris. Do you have a Game Boy? I didn't have a Game Boy, but we had it on NES. I had it on we Game played Boy. played it all the time. Mm -hmm. We grew up in the Cold War, yeah. right? That was our childhood. So everything about it, that era, the paranoia of it, yeah. all felt very familiar and comfortable in a weird way. Right. And like so, when he walks into the government building, I'm like, <laughs> Yeah. You don't do that. <laughs> that's that's wrong. Mm -hmm. But I'm a sucker for Cold War stories. Mm. And specifically because I was a teenager when it fell apart, I'm a sucker for the fall of the Soviet Union stories. Did you like Bridge of Spies as a- I love Bridge of Spies. It's a good movie. Golden Eye is still one of my favorite Bond oh, movies okay. because it is specifically about mm -hmm. the fall of the Soviet power and the rise of other people in its wake. Mm -hmm. That is just a fascinating period of history to me. Mm -hmm. And I thought that Tetris did a good job of conveying what some of that was like from the inside. I will say that I did read that the wife in Tokyo says that KGB did show up at her house. Really? Yeah, that that I was totally legit I totally assumed real. that that was made yep. up. That that's where they're kind of getting this from, that she said KGB showed up and asked questions about her husband Okay. And left her vaguely unsettled as if it would have been a threat. She didn't say they mm -hmm. actually threatened them, but, you know, to have KGB show up at your house in Tokyo is yeah. an unsettling event, regardless of the context. And mm -hmm. so, yeah. The only thing I've been able to find that they really did is they created this villain guy and yeah. made and him out to be the, made it have way more tension because there was villain guy doing villainous stuff. Yeah. They needed a face to the threat mm -hmm. rather than just vague Soviet bureaucracy. Yeah. And he made a very convenient way to kind of put on screen a lot of stuff that mm -hmm. would have been understood from context mm -hmm. at the time. Do you remember where you were when like the Iron Curtain fell? When the wall fell? When the wall fell. I, like I can remember the distinct point when the wall fell. Yeah, I can remember uh, being in class at school and talking about it mm -hmm. it is not the event like the mm -hmm. way the challenger explosion was yeah i can tell you day and time and place for that one yeah whereas i do remember when the wall started to fall the kind of slow burn swell of mm -hmm. joy around the world 
that was very defining for me as a moment. I can remember the exact moment because I was out on a like scouting, not scouting, but where the girls are there too. Like, uh, oh, like just a youth activity? Youth activity, or a yeah. Field day we or were something? sledding. Oh, okay. Yep. And I just. They have hills in Nebraska? Yeah. So here's the thing you, you joke about that. Nebraska is actually way worse to drive in in the winter than Utah because it's way hillier. Really? Lincoln is. Okay. They don't have large mountains, but man, mm-hmm. there's hills all over the place. It's real dangerous. You'll slide all over yeah, the place. Yeah, because here we're mostly just flat next and to mountains. Next to mountains. And there it's no mountains, but lots of hills. And mm-hmm. so, yeah, the sledding was amazing in Nebraska. And so we were out sledding and heard the news mm-hmm. that the, the Berlin Wall had fell. And I don't know if we I heard it right at the minute it did, right? Because that would have been in the evening. I don't know what time it was, but that's when I was told. So I just looked when it up. It was, it was November 9th that happened, which tracks with me being out sledding in Nebraska in November. What was the exact year? Was it 88, 89? 89. 89. That's yep. what I thought it was. Mm-hmm. So a few years ago, have you ever been to Berlin? Have you- I have been to Berlin. Visited yes. any of the wall I stuff have. there? I have, yep. In 2019, on the anniversary of the wall going down, Mm -hmm. they did a super cool thing. So all throughout Berlin, you can follow the wall because it's gone now. And sometimes it's obvious by architecture which side of the city was which. But for the most part, it's just one giant city. But they have this little kind of thing laid into the floor yes of the ground the street the street that shows where it was mm-hmm. and what they did in 2019 which would have been the 40th or 30th 30th anniversary they put a row of red balloons following the entire perimeter of the wall and then at the exact moment whatever you just read mm-hmm. they released them all and so the wall floated up into the sky. I wasn't there because we'd already moved back to the US by then, but they have something like that in Warsaw also where the ghetto was. It's marked in metal in the street. Really? You can stand and be like, this is where the wall between the ghetto and the outside was. Mm-hmm. That's cool. I have a big chunk certified with an authenticity certificate of the Berlin Wall sitting on my desk at home. You can buy them every hotel I've ever stayed at. Yep. They're uh, everywhere. It has chunks. So there's a big one at Microsoft. When I went to speak there, they had just like a huge chunk of the mm-hmm. wall just in a lobby in case. I've got a little one about this mm-hmm. big. And then on my desk, there's one about kind of cantaloupe sized. Mm-hmm. And I do still have the certificate. I doubt the graffiti on it is real. It looks very fake. Does it? But I don't doubt that it's actual cement from the wall. But I love that kind of stuff. I've lived in Germany and I wrote a whole book about the Berlin Wall which is not why we started off talking about Tetris, but go read my book, Ghost Station, which is a historical fiction book about the Berlin Wall. So, yay. Yay. So, video games, you obviously like Tetris. Mm -hmm. Did you ever play it on a Game Boy? I did a few times Mm. at scout camps, pertinent to our previous episode. (laughs) Because I had one and my friend had one, and you could link them and play against each other, which Mm. was just so much fun. I remember playing Tetris... At, let's see, it was Jeremy. It was, I want to say it was like his bar mitzvah. 
which okay. he shouldn't have been playing Tetris, but we went to the synagogue and he got to go read. Mm-hmm. And so we watched him read. And then the two of us sat and played Tetris through the rest of whatever was going on. Because whatever was going on was really long, and we had to wait to get back to his house so we could get all the money. Yeah. And so, yep, Jeremy That's and I awesome. playing Tetris at the synagogue. That's one yeah. of my one of my uh, memories. No, I think I've said this before. We had an original Nintendo NES, mm-hmm. and then I did not own another video game console until... Mm-hmm. Four years ago, five years ago, when we got my son an Xbox for Christmas. Okay. I've always been PC gamer. But on that original Nintendo, we did have Tetris. And today, everyone's a gamer, right? Mm -hmm. Everyone has a phone with Candy Crush on it. Actually, more women own the Switch than men do, which I think is a fascinating statistic. But back in the 80s, That was not the case at all. And Tetris was the first one that really broke out. Like my mom would sit and play Tetris. That was the first time I'd ever seen an adult playing a video game in my life. Yeah, I appreciated the line he gave in the movie where it's like, I still see the blocks falling. Because that happens, Mm -hmm. right? That happened to me. Yeah. It's like, that's the first time I remember like sitting down and still seeing the game being like, whoa. Something's weird. Mm -hmm. I'm I'm seeing blocks. I'm thinking blocks. Yeah. Well, and that's what he said to the Nintendo guys. Like, Mm -hmm. if you launch this with Mario on it or whatever, then yeah, all the people who already own a Nintendo will buy this. If you launch it with Tetris on it, Mm. everyone in the world is going to want one. And really, that's what happened. The strength of Tetris is Mm -hmm. arguably as important as just the invention of mobile gaming itself. That one I read was real quote. That he actually said that. I don't doubt it. Mm-hmm. So nice little nice realism little to the thing movie. there. What's your opinion on creative liberties in based on a true story sort of things? Well, as I've said before, unfaithful adaptations are my jam, right? That's, okay. That's what I love to watch. But with real life stories, I think it's a little different than just adapting fiction. Mm-hmm. There are times when I can understand why... Yes, you had to change some of the events in Argo in order to make the movie cool. But there are other times when it's like, come on, the dude was Latino and you cast Ben Affleck. That feels like maybe you're ignoring some important parts of the story. It bothers me a little bit more when it's something like like A Beautiful Mind. It's a really good film. Mm-hmm. But then reading about the person's real life and finding out that the movie lauded them to the point that it left out the scratch and dents that we all have, mm-hmm. that bothers me a little bit more. Yeah. Right? Like, if you're going to take all this time to give us a picture of someone, I want to see some of those scratches and dents so that we know. Yeah. You know, about some of these things. That's the one. I, I don't mind creative liberties at all but I don't want to feel like I'm getting some sort of deification of a character. Well, and I think that that is the natural inclination. Mm -hmm. Hollywood storytelling, you want that happy ending, you want the hero arc, which means we usually end up lionizing someone who Mm -hmm. doesn't deserve it. That's my greatest problem with Greatest Showman is, you know, Mm -hmm. let's make this genuinely horrible person look like a fun protagonist because he's the main character. It's way worse in Greatest Showman than basically any other one that I like. Mm -hmm. But yes. But in A Beautiful Mind, his wife, played Mm -hmm. by Jennifer Connelly, and I don't mind 
Jennifer mm-hmm. Connelly. Any yeah. group that I am a part of is on some level a Jennifer Connelly fan club, okay. just because mm-hmm. I am in it. Yep. That said, again, his actual wife was Latina. Mm-hmm. And so, again, it's very weird casting, I think, in a lot of these cases. And he cheated on her multiple times, yes. and their relationship was very rocky and, mm-hmm. yeah, leaving some of those aspects out to paint this kind of perfect sort of, yeah. Yeah. Although- at least as far as I'm aware, that is the movie where Connolly and Paul, what's his bucket? The Vision, where ah. they met, and they've been married ever since. There you go. So, Paul, what's his bucket? The yeah. Vision. What's yes. his name? I love him as an actor. Bettany. Paul, Paul Bettany. Bettany. Yes. Yeah. That's just funny for what's his bucket when he's a robot. When he's a robot. Yeah. My book, Blacker Darkness, yep. about the vampires, in my head as I was writing it, the part of John Keats was played by Paul, Paul Bettany. Bettany. That's a good cast. Which, which doesn't really work because Paul Bettany's probably a full foot taller than John Keats was. He was very short. But that's the voice in my head as I wrote it. Let's talk about Diablo 4 for five minutes. All right. All right. <laughs> you did your Diablo 4 thing. I, I just, haven't played this. I know you haven't played it. Let's not talk about Diablo 4. Let's talk about Diablo 2 because that... We played to exhaustion. We did play that to exhaustion. I mostly just want to talk about Diablo, but I know you haven't played the new one. You and can so talk I about figure we can one. talk about the old one for four minutes now. <laughs> you could talk about either Diablo that you want. I thought Diablo 2 was a great game. It was right at the right time when we were all kind of playing games together. It was a good co-op game. Everyone still hates me because I prefer hardcore when, you know, permadeath and things. It, it made it hard to play with you. Nobody else likes permadeath and hardcore, which I can <laughs> totally understand, but they give you so many powers. The games are so easy unless there's some aspect. Unless there's some crazy. But yeah, was, my my yeah. bigger obstacle to playing with you guys was that I was the only one married. Yeah. And so I had a wife and kids. And so on the few occasions I was able to get on and play, you'd already played like seven extra times and were 50 levels higher than me. Yep. This is what happens when your friends are all, we're basically all graduated at that point and we were just working <laughs> jobs and you had like, you know, yeah. real life and we didn't. But Diablo 4 mm-hmm. does level scaling really, really well. Does that, it? that would not be a problem anymore. Yeah, well, that's good. Mm-hmm. I haven't really played games since level scaling became a thing. I remember mm-hmm. how excited you all were when City of Heroes introduced that, and yeah, you were all it playing that. It made it so nice to sidekick somebody, and mm-hmm. then you could play no matter what the level was. Did you ever play Diablo 3? I did not. Okay. Never touched it. I know Isaac played it, one of the few games that he's played. Kara, his wife, is the more active one. She's VP of merchandising and events here. Mm-hmm. She She's more of a gamer than Isaac, but... Yeah. You know, I had my fill in Diablo 2. I'm like, I don't need this You're again. Done. I might play Diablo 4, but at the same time, the game. I don't know what you would even play it on, though, because you don't really do PC gaming anymore. I have a Steam Deck, but I can't play it on Steam Deck because. Yeah. So I have a PS5. I played. I think it's on consoles. Played Elden Ring and nothing else so far. <laughs> you but. have an Elden Ring. Yes. Game. I I will eventually play something else on that. I have to finish Stormlight 5 before I'm (laughs) playing any more games. But maybe it'll go on the list after Tears of the Kingdom and, you know, the... All the other stuff. Elden Ring. You're just going to go on an absolute video gaming bender. No, what'll probably happen is I will play one game and then I'll have to get back to other stuff and most of these won't get played. Yeah. But, you know, I might try it. The thing is, I don't feel like these things are ever really balanced for the hardcore permadeath 
that I like, like Diablo 2 never was. It was a bad experience for this because when you died in Diablo 2, it was like some weird thing happened. You lag for a second and then you're dead. Yeah. It's not like you pushed the limit and then had risk reward and then chose risk and then the risk. Yeah. Like that's fun permadeath, right? Mm -hmm. Or you get worn out in resources and you're going, you're like, if I can yeah. just get here. Like those if, if are- If you know that it's a choice you made to go mm -hmm. a little too far yes. and try to get a little too much loot, mm -hmm. then it feels good. Then that's- If it's just- you're first through the hole to fight yeah. Duriel. Yep. And you know that if you get too much lag, he's going to kill you instantly before yep. your screen loads. Mm hmm So I don't think these games are very well balanced for things like that in the same way that a lot of roguelikes are. Mm -hmm. So anyway, yeah. there you go. There's your five. There's my five minutes five of, minutes of Diablo. Diablo. I just wanted to bring it up because we played it so much in college. And I was so excited when the new one came out. And now I realize, well, actually, no, I'm not as into this anymore. And neither are any of my friends. So, yeah, this isn't going to be what I wanted it to be. <laughs> Maybe Ben will play it with you. Maybe. Maybe.